entering the Freedom Hut. It's the revenge of the Schiff on Capitol Hill. We'll talk about the latest deep state shenanigans to take down the president through this impeachment farce. Plus, whatever else we feel like, because it's Freestyle Friday. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. This isn't about for Democrats. This is for the American people. This is about patriotism. It's not about politics, Democrats, Republicans. It's not about anything political. It's about patriotism. It's about honoring our oaths of office. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's, It's amazing. Hearing what's going on on Capitol Hill, seeing what's going on on Capitol Hill, and then Nancy Pelosi is staring out at the country via various cable news channels and just lying to you or or just speaking to you like we're all a bunch of total morons. This is, it's not political. No, what's going on on Capitol Hill right now with a whole bunch of politicians of one party desperately trying to concoct a narrative to destroy a president of another party, changing what the charge may be, changing what the allegations are, hiding certain evidence, leaking other evidence. It's not political, though. I I don't understand what they really expect people with any sense of judgment, any ability to think for themselves to come away from this believing. If, If you don't think that this sham that's going on on Capitol Hill right now is political, you are too stupid to have a poli- have opinions about politics. It's just a fact. If you really believe that this is being done because suddenly and against their wishes and against what they want for the country, the Democrats just stumbled upon a pretext to start impeachment hearings against the president after the flop of the Mueller investigation. Yeah, if you believe that, I I don't know what to say. Probably also dumb enough to think that Kavanaugh was guilty, in which case you shouldn't have opinions really about anything. Probably have trouble remembering where you live and how to get up and do anything of any worth in the morning. So I I just got to tell you, it's going to be tough. It's going to be rough sailing out there for a while because the Democrats have they've made their decision. Uh, They've decided They've decided that this is going to happen and there's no way to back out of it. There's no way for the, and they don't want to back out of it. Right. But we are going to have to deal with this day in and day out. And the problem from a from a media perspective and from the perspective of trying to do a worthwhile show for all of you. And this is going to be true, I think, of, of a whole lot of hosts. I'm already a little bit not just frustrated, though, the whole thing. It's it's so transparent. It's so pathetic. It's such a an unfunny joke. But the focus of the entire media apparatus of this country and and the political apparatus is going to be on this. So we have no choice but to roll up our sleeves, jump into it, get into the mudslinging contest with the Democrats and see who comes out even dirtier, I suppose. It's not political. It's about patriotism. And Nancy Pelosi will say 
anything. She's an utterly shameless. In a sense, she's the perfect politician because she'll just do whatever she has to do. She is a demagogue, a person who speaks to, uh, says things that they know to be untrue to a room full of people they know to be idiots. Pretty good for Democrats. That's usually the way they, they tend to approach these things. So what hap- what's happened already uh, in the hearings from, from earlier today? What do we have to get into? Okay, uh, you have a bureaucrat from the State Department, Yovanovitch, who is giving a very lengthy recitation of her amazing career in the Foreign Service. My friends, Foreign Service career involves a lot of memo writing, going to luncheons, going to dinners, uh, especially at the, at the ambassadorial level, uh, sitting around, watching PowerPoints, getting shuttled by diplomatic security from place to place. It, it, it's a very it's very cushy, especially when you're abroad in the State Department. This is not. And people say, oh, but what about the hardship posts? OK, I mean, yeah, some of the hardship posts. They also get paid a lot of extra money for that, by the way. And hardship posts are a way to advance your career. And I don't think I really need to hear from a State Department diplomat about how tough it was to be posted in Somalia when we've had how many members of the armed services in the last 18 years or so serving in war zones where they are expected to engage and fight the enemy and are risking their lives every day, as opposed to a diplomat who's expected to show up and have have meetings, uh, have conversations with people. I'm not saying it's not a necessary thing. I'm just saying let's not let's not act like these foreign service bureaucrats are the equivalent of the Avengers out there. Right. It's it's not it's not that tough. This is not something that's that scary. And and the backstory telling, I mean, you have people all week now who will go back and tell us their their patriotic history, stretching to the Battle of Bunker Hill if they can. And yet we can't know who the whistleblower is or what his background is or even what he's been up to for the last couple of years. What kind of campaign against the president might he have been running behind the scenes? We can't know any of that to evaluate this. Uh, This is making a mockery of process. That's one of the big takeaways that I have for you. They've been leaning on process all along here to try to and and abusing process to try to destroy the president. You know, keep in mind, if if people approach many different aspects of the government with no good faith at all, whether we're talking about prosecutors, uh, investigators at the FBI level, down the local police level, if there's no good faith, if they just want to get you, they can always construct a pretext. They can always say, oh, you know, we have a confidential source. Can out the confidential source that says that you did this crime. So now we're investigating you. There are a lot of ways to abuse process and abuse, abuse the system. And they've been doing this all along. But now what you see is that even the hijacking of the very upper echelon of the fourth branch of government, which we should really start referring to. I mean, we shouldn't elevate it because it's not constitutionally supposed to be, but there is an element from within the executive branch that is permanent, that does not care who the president may be at any point in time, and believes that they have a duty to override the bad decision-making of the elected officials that we have empowered to make those decisions. That is that is clear. That has come across from all of this. You'll also notice... In all of this sort of weepy-eyed, oh my gosh, I was fired, 
or or people said mean things about me when I was an ambassador, uh, they talk about the need to protect Ukraine. I mean, the country we're all being dragged into this discussion of Ukraine, which is you know not the most important country in the world. I'm not saying it's, it's irrelevant, but we're speaking about this thing so much, speaking about this place as though it's you know Great Britain has been invaded and we haven't done enough to defend it. Uh, at the end of the day, the Obama administration was uh, feckless and ineffective in the face of Russian aggression, specifically in Ukraine. None of these none of these diplomats seem to have a harsh word about that. Very upset about uh, Rudy, Giuli- uh, Rudy Giuliani stomping around in their area of diplomatic operations, but not a lot of words of criticism for the Obama administration that wouldn't send the Javelin missiles. For an Obama administration that didn't do very much at all of any of any worth in the face of incredibly aggressive Russian moves, Trump put on more sanctions. Trump gave the javelin missiles. Oh, and then today they released an additional transcript, a transcript of the first phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky, in which the president very clearly offers to host Zelensky at the White House and bring him over. So, you know, how last week you were hearing about how Trump was using a White House meeting as additional leverage and quid pro quo and bribery and extortion. And, oh, they're just yelling about all these things all the time and repeating them endlessly. And the, the media ecosystem, I think, thinks that the only way that they can regain their former glory is they, they have to finish off this president. They know that otherwise, not only are they corrupt and biased and full of liars and self-righteous, sanctimonious clowns, and the upper echelon of the elite media is, is, is rife with those. In fact, it is the exception to the rule that if you are an anchor at one of the Democrat networks out there, uh, it's the exception to the rule that you're not somebody who is intellectually unimpressive and personally dishonest and, and even sometimes somewhat odious. I'm not saying so. Like I said, there are exceptions, but they're the exception to the rule. The only way they can reclaim their former you know, Edward R. Murrow glory is if they decide that they, or rather if they manage to finish off this president. The media, they don't want the voter to do it. They don't want a democratic election to be the deciding factor here. They would prefer that President Trump's administration is ended at their hands. That's what they're trying to do. Or at least to, to be the ones that very clearly damaged him so much that when he goes to the election, they can claim that they were the they were the ones that really were the turning point in favor of the Democrats. It was this whole effort to breathe seriousness, gravitas, meaning into proceedings that are simply absurd. I, I, I can't imagine any normal person thinking, one, that Adam Schiff is not the slimiest liar in Congress because he, he is. But I also can't imagine anyone thinking that this is a worthwhile effort against the president. I, I would really prefer if they had at least tried to relitigate the Mueller probe. But they had to. Why did they have to walk away from that? Because they realized there were some there were some vulnerabilities there that exposed themselves at the very end. That was the original plan, I would know. They were going to impeach Trump based on the Mueller probe. That was why Weissman wrote it the way he did. That was the whole point. 
That's the, oh, the 10 counts of obstruction, and he was laying it out. It was an impeachment roadmap. But then Mueller came out and testified, and people said, well, hold on a second. What was really going on here? How did this guy not even know what was happening? So Weissman was really in charge. Weissman's now an MSNBC analyst. Only an idiot thinks that Weissman isn't a left-wing partisan. There are a lot of idiots out there, unfortunately. But it's quite obvious. This is all politics. This is all meant to be the deep state striking back and the elite lashing out at the, and not just Trump, but it's really the whole Trump movement. Everything that Trump has exposed about them, everything that Trump has shown the general public, that a lot of these people that we've been trained to think of as better decision makers, wiser, more ethical, and therefore should be more powerful, should have more influence over your life than would be even constitutionally prescribed. Uh, They're deeply unimpressive, selfish hacks, and they like their positioning in society and they're willing to be very, very dishonest and to debase the very ideals they claim to represent in order to maintain that position. It's true of the media, it's true of elite politics, true of a lot of people these days. Who are they really? Who are these so-called experts that are running things from Washington, D.C.? We're seeing some of them on display. Yovanovitch and Kent and Taylor and Okay. I mean, I look, do I think that they're bad people? No, I don't think they're bad people. Do I think that they're a bunch of Democrats who hate Trump? Yeah. I think that's pretty obvious. So let's just call it what it is. Oh, but the latest today is that they have now already said that President Trump may have may have added to his impeachment woes during the hearing in real time. Oh, we'll have to get to it. I was there when we wrote the whistleblower laws. The whistleblower uh, is there to speak truth to power and have protection for doing that. And any any retribution or harm coming to a whistleblower undermines our ability to hear truth about power. So I will defend the rights of the whistleblower vehemently. Vehemently. But the rights of the whistleblower don't extend to a blanket ban on identification. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. There can't be retaliation. The president can't just say, yeah, okay, we know the whistleblower is. He's fired. That's that's what the whistleblower. And, and I agree with that. Unless there's malfeasance exposed about the whistleblower, which, by the way, I think is probably going to happen if we ever actually can get to the bottom of it. Uh, I think it's very likely. Although he's he's crafty. He's a crafty fellow going to shift committee, working with a lawyer who knows the national security apparatus from the inside. I mean, this guy, he did his homework beforehand. That that much, I think, is clear. But he also did his homework for the Democrats. But I'm hearing these bizarre arguments about how we need to protect the no one's saying don't protect the whistleblower. They're saying don't. Uh, the, the claim that they're making is don't out the whistleblower. The the whistleblower is not because of this complaint considered a a, a matter of, of government national security. The whistleblower is not classified. The whistleblower, by the way, has already been named all across the Internet. And we've talked about with attribution who the whistleblower is supposed to be. The whistleblower, according to the New York Times, well, to the Washington Examiner following on a New York Times piece, as well as others, I think the AP may have named him too, is this guy Eric Sharamella. Okay, so what does what does protecting the whistleblower mean? It means we don't get to know if that's really the whistleblower. That's what protecting the person means. 
anonymity, huh? Get to run this all the way, get to run this all the way up the chain, try to take down a president in a political hearing, and this person deserves anonymity. That's not in the statute. That's not, uh-uh. Now, what, what I think, and I'm seeing some rumblings about this today, I mean, uh, Senate, Senate, Republican majority Senate committee should just be like, all right, we're going to subpoena the whistleblower. Put him under oath. Yeah. That's what they should do. I mean, oh my gosh, the Democrats would completely lose their minds, but it, why not? They have oversight too. Republicans, wake up. This is a fight for the Trump presidency, for control of the United States government that is underway right now. And the other side will do anything, fight as dirty as they can, lie, cheat, and steal. You know, it's time to put on a helmet and get into the get into the fray here a little bit. It's time to throw down, not just leave it to the president to do for himself. Where where is the Senate on this one? The American public, despite the media pretense that this is not the case, which is appalling, by the way, and it's so obvious and unfair. The American public has a right to know who this guy is. The same way that we are supposed to sit around and listen to how wonderful and amazing all these State Department employees are that are trying to take down the president. We have a right to know who the person is that has brought this complaint against the president of the United States. Why not? How else can we evaluate the motivations behind all of this? They tell us that it's patriotism and exposing of wrongdoing. Well, let's see for ourselves. Let's know. Remember, the whistleblower only told us about a transcript. It was the narrative around the transcript that the whistleblower was offering up as the reason for us to hear about this. Okay, well, what were those reasons coming from? What was the basis for all of that? We have a right to know. If the press was serious, they would do their job, and we would already know. But they're all in on this against Trump. Perhaps you have not heard me when I have said this is something we very do with a heavy heart. This is very prayerful because impeaching is, is a divisive thing in our country. It's hard. And it, the place that our country is now, it's not a time where you go to 70% when people, when President Nixon walked out of the White House. It wasn't there before he left, even two weeks before he left. It wasn't there until the other shoe fell and he walked out. That's right. Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to do this. Yeah. Trump's making her do this. I mean, the Democrats are just are, are shameless, utterly shameless. At least just be honest about what's going on here. Tell us that you think you have an opening to create out of nothing a narrative to take down a president because you know that the candidates you're putting forward and also the ideology of the Democratic Party has gone so far left that you have real concerns about whether they could even win a national election in 2020. And what would that mean? I mean, they start to think about things like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, I know that we have, there's this cult around RBG right now on the left, this cult around her workouts. I've seen little RBG like workout dolls and things. It's bizarre, right? She's a, a, t- a tiny old lady. But they've created this mythology around her, and I think it's because they recognize that there's going to have to be a mobilization of the shrill and insane left like nothing we have ever seen before um, if, in fact, you have a Republican Supreme Court uh, appointee or a Republican president appointing a Supreme Court justice. And in this case, it would be perhaps President Trump if, let's say, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had to retire. 
Uh, you saw what they were willing to do to Kavanaugh. Still, the the ugliest thing. I mean, I I have I have flashbacks to sitting there and watching it. I mean, not like PTSD flashbacks, but I I just very clearly remember that whole process and thinking to myself, at least the one part of comfort for me was, at least I'm not one of these disgusting, soulless, morally decrepit Democrats. At least I recognize that someone like uh, Justice Kavanaugh is a good man who deserved none of what he got. But people become very desperate. They become very, become very desperate when they think that government power is necessary for the creation. The government power in their hands is necessary for the creation of a fair and just society. And that if the other side has government power, everything will be ruined. One of the problems the Democrats have to deal with now, look around the country. Does everything seem ruined to you? Has the stock market collapsed? Is unemployment 12 percent? You know, these are all things that we were told. Have we gone to war with a foreign country because of Trump's destruction of foreign policy? Whatever happened to the nuclear war he was going to start with North Korea or his uh, recklessness in moving the embassy to Jerusalem or his uh, his destructive move by pulling us out of the Paris Climate Accord or removing us from the horrifically negotiated uh, Iran nuclear deal. These were all supposed to lead to terrible things. Where are the terrible things, I ask you? Nancy Pelosi and her Democrat uh, comrades in arms, they have all been lying to you for three years. What they have said would happen has not happened. What they have said was just about to come true has not come true. Shouldn't we evaluate them based upon all of the lies, based upon all the promises that they have put forward that came to nothing or that showed us that they were working against our interests, that they were making things up, that they were willing to uh, dissemble in order to get what they want? What really is the pitch that they make against this president? By the way, as you have these, uh, you have Ambassador Yovanovitch on Capitol Hill trying to get her place in the left-wing hall of fame of anti-Trumpers. Let's let's remember that you have this enormous State Department bureaucracy with a lot of people working in it who have been doing so in many cases for decades. And there are certain approaches, certain ways of thinking that that has been inculcated into the department as well as a lot of... Uh, a lot of the training you do when you're there and various employees. And they like to think that only people of a certain background and certain temperament and approach to foreign policy could be successful because that's what all of all of them have been uh, doing, the way that they've approached their jobs for a very long time. Trump comes in and he's not supposed to be an expert on, say, China trade who on the fundamental question of whether or not we should take action against Chinese predatory unfair trade practices that are enriching the Chinese at our expense, who was more correct, the president of the United States or who knows how many diplomats over over the last three decades in dealing with China? The experts told us that if Trump did this, there would be massive economic consequences for us that this was a terrible idea. It turns out the economy is still doing very well. And China has been suffering economically much more than we have, which was the point all along. You need leverage to get somebody across the table from you in a negotiation to do what you want. This is what Obama didn't understand, or rather 
this was Obama's fundamental flaw in the approach that his administration took to the Iran deal. You don't show up and say, hey, I want to buy a car. I'm not leaving here until I do. That's, that makes that a lot easier. The dealer can say, all right, well, here's the price. Take it or leave it. That was pretty much what we did with Iran. No painful concessions. No dismantling of any program. Lots and lots of cash released to them. Also that Obama could say, look at me. I have a foreign policy legacy now. That's not just a disaster and defeat and despair everywhere where Obama actually took an active role in foreign policy, which was the case up until the Iran nuclear deal. Look at a country. It was worse off after eight years of Obama. Look at one place that was a foreign policy hotspot. It was in bad shape. And remember that this these these diplomats who keep telling you, these ones who are coming out to speak against Trump, who said that they've served under multiple presidents. Yeah, we know that's this is what the deep state, the fourth branch of government, they stay in government. Doesn't matter which president is there. And they have their own views that they reflect into policy. I mean, this was considered a big sin when I was in the intelligence community. You're not supposed to be policy prescriptive. That was the way they used to say it. It's not for you to determine what good U.S. foreign policy is. You're just there to provide information, provide the necessary context for the decision makers, people who are in elected office or people who are the direct appointees of the president enacting his will, uh, enacting his policy proposals. That's the way this is supposed to go. But there are a lot of people who figure they know more, they've been there longer, they understand better, and they forget that we have elections so that the people can empower decision makers, not so that the people can empower decision makers who then have to rely on a bureaucratic class that decides when and where they're going to do what they have been ordered to do. Um, They talk about Trump's Ukraine policy like it is some kind of disaster. Trump's Ukraine policy has been better than his predecessors. Ukraine is in better shape now than it was when Obama was the head of the foreign policy apparatus of the United States government. This is just a fact. And for all of this, oh, the wailing and the cry, I can't believe they fired Yovanovitch. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I have a lot of questions about this. One is, why did they think that she was bad-mouthing the president? Did that, that really came out of nowhere? I'm not saying it's impossible, but it seems strange, doesn't it? It seems strange. There was a lot of Obama administration, a lot of Democrat high-level interest in Ukraine before Trump came into office. So what kind of relationships were built there? And who had formed an ideological allegiance, perhaps, against this president before he even showed up? And people say, oh, but Trump appointed this person, for example. Yeah, because you got to pick from the you got to pick for your team from the roster that's there. You know, okay, well, I got to, you know, you inherit the State Department if you're the president. Okay, I got the State Department I got. You know, you go to war with the army you have, which Rumsfeld said and was totally taken out of context because that was after he talked about upgrading Humvees and getting better armor and doing this and doing that. And he's like, yeah, and ultimately you got to do, you got to do what you got to do when you got to do it. You go to war with the army you have. You go to diplomacy with the State Department you have. You know, so that shouldn't be used against the president in the sense that just because he's like, okay, well, I guess we'll, yeah, sure, we'll confirm this person. Uh, he doesn't have the time or the bandwidth, and, and nor should he, to handpick every single person that he knows or has vetted uh, beyond beyond any doubt to be in these different posts. you got to go with the people that are the government officials, the government servants who are working from within the bureaucracy. But I, I want to remind everybody that we're being told that the Ivanovich firing is this terrible thing and that her um, 
her dismissal from her post. Oh, next flight out and after 30 years. And um, How much sadness was there in the media when they, a bunch of anti-Trumpers entrapped General Flynn after 30 plus years of military service, decorated veteran. And they weren't just ending his job as National Security Advisor for 30 years. They were going to throw him in prison. Did you see any any people in the media doing these long, oh, so patriotic. General Flynn was a great man serving his country. And then this happened. And we're just so sorry about it. No, they're like, yeah, get him. He's one of Trump's people. Get him. That was the approach across the anti-Trump media, across the anti-Trump media, without, without exception. Yeah, another one bites the dust. Another person serving Trump. Done. That was the approach. So I'm sorry if I'm not going to buy this. Oh, it's so sad. Yovanovitch, she was the greatest diplomat in history. Another point to make here. We're supposed to be upset because an ambassador was changed or changed out, replaced in her post. The American people, remember, and I mean that, we really, they're doing this whole spectacle on Capitol Hill. The Democrats are presenting this as, oh, look what's happened. And uh, you were so great. And then Trump came along and this evil man, Giuliani, evil man, Giuliani, who, by the way, cleaned up New York City. And because of what he did in this city, thousands of people are alive that would not have been because of the immense decrease in violent crime in this city, uh, turned the biggest city in America into a true global capital. And uh, also, if you remember him after 9-11, really held the city together uh, together at a time when we were rattled to our foundation. And uh, now they're acting like Rudy Giuliani is some evil henchman. Oh, Giuliani was stomping around doing all these terrible things. I'm going to take you back a little bit. Do you guys remember the Obama administration came in and they wanted to do things differently than Bush. Bush was the bad, warmongering president, didn't understand foreign policy, just not as not super smart like Obama. That was what we were always being told. Bush was so dumb, Obama so smart. Um, okay. Came in and he was going to change things in Afghanistan, dramatically escalated the war in Afghanistan, brought it up to about 100,000, I think it was over 100,000 at one point, troops, uh, but also said, we're going to do this for this period of time, then we're going to draw down which was bizarre to everybody that I knew, even a lot of Democrats in the national security apparatus were like, that's, that's just, you don't do that. That's a completely artificial timeline driven by domestic politics. But there was something that was even more telling than that. Remember, we're supposed to be upset, teary-eyed, because Trump fired Yovanovitch, and she was very sad. You guys remember General McChrystal, one of the more revered uh, generals in the uh, military, and especially within the special operations community, uh, General McChrystal was the four-star commander in Afghanistan. And right at the time when the Obama administration was making its plans to prosecute and, and dramatically escalate that war, McChrystal was unceremoniously fired from that job. Fired. Remember why, you remember why General McChrystal was fired? Because a Rolling Stone reporter thought that it was worthwhile to put in the piece that some of... McChrystal's aides didn't think very highly of Obama's comfort with and respect for the military. So essentially, they they bruised Obama's ego a little bit in Rolling Stone. And so the four star general had to go. McChrystal didn't do anything. He didn't say anything. It was the people that were around him, some of his aides. But they, you know, they, they talked a little 
a little trash about Obama. Got to go. Got to fire the four star. Do you do you remember anybody saying, wow, there are more important things than Obama's ego, which I don't think Democrats really believe. I think they believe Obama's ego was the most important thing in the world at the time. But prosecuting a war, we're losing soldiers in the battlefield. People are dying. You're going to replace the four-star general and throw the chain of command out of whack and change strategy and take who was one of the most gifted commanders, from what I am told, of his generation and replace him just because he said something, because he hurt Obama's feelings a little bit? And it wasn't even him. It was his aide. The guy didn't do anything. Was everybody talking about, oh, our republic is under assault? And, and that was a real issue. Ukraine. You place Ukraine in ambassador. You put me as ambassador to Ukraine tomorrow, I'll be fine. This is ridiculous. I'd actually be a great ambassador to Ukraine, side note. By the way, what President Trump has done on the record in terms of uh, acting to advantage his a foreign power to help him in his own election and uh, the uh, obstruction of information about that, the cover-up, makes what Nixon did look almost small, almost small. But again, an inquiry is an inquiry, and people come in and you hear what they have to say. Next week, some of the Republican uh, suggestions of, of witnesses will come in. Democrats better be careful here. They, uh, they've, they've gone to this length. They've gone to this, this point in the story, and they better make sure that we don't end up getting some of the witnesses that, that we want to answer some of the questions we want answers to here. Uh, I do think that this whole thing could blow up in their faces. I really, I, I, I can't predict the future, but there's a real risk of it. They have, they have taken a risk in this whole process by going forward on such flimsy pretext. Uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi saying that what Trump has done on the record, so what they all agree on, what Trump has done on the record, makes what Nixon did look almost small, worse than Nixon, and yet. No Trump supporters are saying, oh, wow, I can't support him anymore. There's been no change in public opinion the way there was about, about Nixon. And this is when I, when I tell you that they're looking for their Watergate moment, that's not, they're open about that. This is, this is what Democrats live for in the media, in Democratic politics. They, you know, Hillary Clinton was involved in this stuff back in the day. I mean, you look at the effort to get Richard Nixon was, it was a, a paramount political moment for the Democratic Party and for the left. And they think they're going to do it again here with Trump. They really do. And for the media, it's the only way to make all of the debasement that they've engaged in of themselves worthwhile is if they can take down this president. Welcome back, team. So we have these testimonies going on on Capitol Hill, impeachment stuff. I know I'm already I am of the mind that we have to remember there's a plan that is at work here. Um, I think the plan could be that. They're just going to put all of these super boring diplomats up on the stand and have us listen to their careers and whine about how they didn't like being fired or whatever. They're going to make us sit through so many bureaucrat biographies that will agree to anything just to make the pain stop. Okay, fine. Impeach Trump. Anything but more of this. That said, the, the Trumpster is making things a little harder for people than he has to who are defending him here. Um, here, here we have, we have Trump. Oh gosh. He, uh, during the, during the testimony, I'm trying to find 
this one. He essentially said that uh, she was everywhere she went, everywhere Yovanovitch went in her career, went bad. And this then turned into uh, this then turned into people saying that. Oh, here you go. Everywhere Marie Ivanovich went turn, turned bad. She started off in Somalia. How did that go? Then fast forward to Ukraine, where the new Ukrainian president spoke unfavorably about her in my second phone call with him. It is U.S. president's absolute right to call it uh, absolute right to appoint ambassadors. They call it serving at the pleasure of the president. The U.S. now has a very strong and powerful foreign policy, much different than preceding administrations. It is called, quite simply, America first. With all of that, however, I have done far more for Ukraine than Obama. True, by the way. Oh, but now we're being told that this is uh, witness tampering, that the president can't say a bad thing about Yovanovitch on Twitter while she is testifying. Now, I kind of wish the president hadn't done this. I'm not going to lie. I I don't know, because this just gives them now, oh, they're going to like jump onto this. And oh, wait, Schiff, we have Schiff saying this, right? Shifty Schiff doing his thing. Play 25, please. What we saw today is wasn't enough that Ambassador Ivanovich was smeared. It wasn't enough that she was attacked. It wasn't enough that she was recalled for no reason, at least no good reason. Um, but we saw today witness intimidation in real time by the President of the United States. But once again, going after this dedicated and respected career public servant uh, in an effort to not only chill her, but to chill others so uh, they come forward. Um, we take this kind of witness intimidation and obstruction inquiry very seriously. So I, I want to be clear here. This is another special law. You know, Democrats have these special laws that we're supposed to just accept. One is you can't investigate Hunter Biden or Joe Biden. Not allowed to. Not allowed to investigate them even though there's plenty of basis for the investigation. You can't do that. Not allowed. Okay. And now there's also a rule that you can't say that somebody who is testifying against you in Congress is bad at their job. That's witness intimidation. If the president had said, you know, uh, Yovanovitch better shut up or else I'm going to send over the Secret Service to arrest her, that would be witness intimidation. You know, that, that, then, then I get it. Can't say she's bad at her job. He fired her. Of course he thinks she's bad at her job. <laughs> this is so utterly absurd. It's unhinged. My friends, I'm so glad you're here with me through this process so that I feel like we can have some uh, just, you know, you you have to have a sense of humor about all this stuff because this is just getting, it's just getting nuts. Um, and and the, the more pathetic the Democrat attempts to pretend that this is a big thing and they have to do this they have to take them trump the more this happens uh the the crazier they get too you know it's like we don't it's like they keep grabbing us they keep grabbing the democrats keep grabbing the american people by the scruff of the neck and saying you know the 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 spaceships have landed the aliens are here we're looking at them we're like no they're there's no spaceships. You got to calm down. No, you don't understand. We're all going to die cuz the aliens and the spaceships. I don't think so. I think we're all going to be just I think we're all going to be just fine. I think they need to they really do need to calm down quite a bit. Uh, here, I mean just to give you a sense of some of the other uh, Lindsey Graham by the way is totally with me on this. I like based by the way, producer Mark, like based is when someone is being super he's my my youth correspondent as well as you know. Based is when you are uh like 
the hardcore version of like the badass version of yourself, right? Like if you're in beast mode or if you're beast mode, no, beast mode is when, you know, that's when I, you know, you're in the gym. I've never heard of base mode. Be or just being based. No. If someone I've heard of basting a turkey. Based AF, which is an acronym that we will not say. Explain on the air, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But if someone is based those two letters. I think this is lingo from like, like the 80s when batter. you were a no, kid. No, this, this is a new thing. The never cool heard of it before. I'm not a cool kid, I guess. Urban, urban, urban dic- dictionary. Uh, urban dictionary right, based. Because everyone's going to think that I'm the crazy. You're the crazy. Well, I'm not the crazy. It's like the Democrats. You're not crazy. We're crazy. Uh but Lin- Lindsey Graham, well, I was, we're going to get to this Lindsey Graham clip in a second here. But sometimes, look, Lindsey, you know, goes back and forth. Goes back and forth for me. Sometimes I'm like, I don't really like where his head's at on this one. Maybe we shouldn't invade that foreign country. Just step back a little bit from that. Uh, but on defending the president sometimes, he's become a pretty effective install. What, what is, here we go, producer Mark. I can't read any of these on here, Puck. I think you're way off here. Really? Yeah. B-A-S-E-D? B-A-S-E-D. Oh, I spelled it wrong. I spelled like based a turkey. You're saying based. I'm saying B-A-S-E-D. Oh, for, for okay. heaven's oh, hold sake, on. producer Mark. Good God, man. I don't even want to know about the other thing. That's what you do with a turkey at Thanksgiving. This is a family show. <sighs> this is next thing you know, you know. It's when you don't care what other people think. Thank yeah. you. There we go. Like I said, being kind of badass. It's I've never heard of this before. Boom. The Buckster is cool. I don't think that's what this means. Well, I think I'm pretty hip. And, and you and you alone. Yeah. But uh, all right. So based Lindsey Graham, boom. I was going to say booyah, but then I really would be stuck in the 90s. Based Lindsey Graham is, uh, is, is the best. Play 11, please. Nothing happened. I'm really over with this. This whole thing is a joke. I am not persuaded by the quid pro quo quo argument. He tells Sunderland there's no quid pro. Nothing happened here. We're not going to impeach this president over this. We're not going to legitimize a, a hearing where you can only call Democratic witnesses. It's over. It's done for me. Uh, I agree with him 100 percent. So Lindsay based Lindsay is is definitely spot on here. Uh but I would like to see this. I think the Senate should take action. I, I would like to see the Senate uh, subpoena people and get to the bottom of this. You know, let's let's the Republicans have a majority in the Senate, folks. Let's come on now. All Democrats have been doing since they won the majority is just try to find ways to to destroy this president. They they don't want to. They, they have no interest in trying to work as part of the governing body, as part of the legislature for this country to do anything worthwhile for the American people. I mean, they put forward the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal is a giant steaming pile of renewable lunacy. It's just lunacy that you can keep going back to over and over and over again. It's crazy. The Green New Deal is wackadoo. But that's their big, oh, that's the big thing. Oh, let's come up with the Green New Deal. I'd like to meet a, a, a well-educated and, uh, and thoughtful human adult of good judgment who will sit down across from me and explain to me that the Green New Deal is 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 a good idea. I would like to meet that person. That does not include a lot of Democrats in Congress. But I'd like to meet somebody who really thinks this is a good idea. Anyway, uh, Lindsey Graham is right on this. But he's also bringing up another point. And I, I had a friend, I've had friends reach out to me from within the, uh, from within the federal bureaucracy um, who 
are like, well, why do you think that? Why do you think we really should know? Why can't they're with me that we should adjudicate the whistleblower's claims and that this is all overblown? But they're like, do we really need to know who he is? There's, a, I've gotten a little bit of pushback on this from some of my friends inside the bureaucracy, and I think the answer, in general, given the stakes here and the political process, is yes. But I also want to note that we have to take into account what has happened before this. We have to take into account what led up to this moment. Right, with all of the, the dossier and the deep state and Comey and Strzok and Page and the FISA and the McCabe and the insurance policy and the Mueller probe really run by Weissman and the, you know, and the entrapment of Flynn and Sally Yates, hashtag resistance. And, you know, put all of look at all of that. And then you would agree with, for example, Lindsey Graham that like, I want to know what really went on here. Play clip, uh, if you would, producer Mark. Play clip 12, please. Now, I want to know, is there a connection between the whistleblower, the CIA, Biden, or any other Democrat that would make cast suspicions over their motives? I want to get to the bottom of this. We're not going to let the president of the United States be tried based on an anonymous accusation. We're not going to let him be convicted in the Senate based on a bunch of hearsay. What's going to happen when this gets to the Senate trial? What are the questions that are allowed to be asked then? You know, right now, the Democrats have the luxury, the tremendous luxury. Uh, for their ill, uh, well, for their ill-intended scheme to determine who can ask what questions and when, and what witnesses get to come forward, this this is a lot of authority, a lot of power that they have that they are completely abusing, of course. And you know, and Adam Schiff starts out uh, let, by saying that he's going to protect the identity of the whistleblower. What he's done because he's a dishonest lawyer who really you know, should be disbarred. What he has done has created a pretext for himself to shut down any line of questioning that he does not want by claiming that it might go to the identity of the whistleblower. Now That, that just then becomes the catch-all. Oh, sorry. It would be like throwing up a flag and yelling classified every time somebody asks a question you don't want when it has nothing to do with being classified. But if you get to be the one who determines it, classified, sorry, it's classified, can't do it. You get to determine the direction of the whole conversation. So Schiff is doing that. We understand that. Schiff is doing that. Um, Nancy Pelosi is running around lying as much as she possibly can about this. Oh, wait, I wanted to get De- Devin Nunes, who you can you know that Devin Nunes and I say his name the right way, by the way, because he told me that he's like, good job, Buck. High five. Very few people say his name properly. They're all like, oh, I want to be, you know, uh, culturally sensitive. So I will call him Nunez. No, it's Nunes. That's how you say his name. Uh, what is it? What is it called? What's the little accent called in Spanish? Or they'll go over the e. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right to make that. Isn't there a little thing that's a? I just see it sometimes on tequila bottles. Yeah, there is. I, I just don't know what it's called. Yeah, I don't know what it's called either. Yeah. I, I took French, so excellent aigu, excellent grave. It's a different, different accents. Anyway, Nunes, let's hear from a man. Twenty-four, please. As the Democrats are well aware, no Republicans here know the whistleblower's identity. Because the whistleblower only met with Democrats, not with Republicans. Chairman Schiff claimed not to know who it is. Yet he also vowed to block us from asking questions that could reveal his or her identity. Republicans on this committee are left wondering how it's even possible for the chairman to block questions about a person whose identity he claims not to know. Who does he sound like there, folks? What was the Buckster saying yesterday? 
how can he be protecting an identity when he doesn't know the identity? Because he's lying, by the way. Of course he knows the identity. I'm sure if pushed on this somehow, he would have some way to say, well, it was never officially, officially confirmed to me. I was just kind of confirmed. And by the way, I think, don't don't we all know the identity? Too? This is just, we're living in this bizarre world where Democrats can get away with saying all this crazy stuff and not, none of it really matters anymore. It's just all about... Uh, Destroying people. I mean, Steve Scalise. Here's another. I, w- I want to hear from Steve Steve Scalise, if I could, please. Uh, he understands exactly what's going on. Play nine. The real issue I hear from people back home about is why isn't Pelosi bringing up bills to lower prescription drugs? Why isn't Pelosi bringing the bill to the floor to give our troops the tools they need or to secure our border when, in fact, she's just uh, obsessed with impeaching the president? We have an election next year. The people of the country should decide it. All just comes down to that. Everything else is noise. Everything else is a distraction. What should really happen here is the American people should get to decide. And I promise you, if a Democrat wins the next election, the Republican Party is going to say, "Okay, they won. You know, let's march forward with the system we have and do the best we can for the American people. And we're not going to say, oh, they cheated. You know, although unless they cheated, which they might. But, you know, we're not going to do what they do. The Republican Party really is the party of adults. Democratic Party is a party of babies. A lot of babyish stuff that goes on. A lot of whining, a lot of crying. A lot of, it's so unfair, all the time. Uh, Lindsey Graham gets it. Steve Scalise gets it. Many others, too. The long-term ramifications of this are very dispiriting, I would note, that we've now turned impeachment into this uh, clearly partisan weapon that has nothing to do with a president really breaking any boundaries of uh, acceptable conduct. And it's just about they don't like him. They don't like him. So what it really means is that if the House, the House of Representatives is going to have its thumb on the scale of the executive branch whenever it wants. Whenever the House of Representatives is held by the party not of the president, then the House just becomes a tool, a weapon against that presidency. That's what, that, that is the precedent that is being set here, which is problematic, and the founders would not be happy about that, but they wouldn't be happy about a lot of things the left does. Switching gears for one sec here. I, uh, we didn't play earlier in the week. There was a really nice moment where somebody on Jeopardy, which, you know, I'm good at Jeopardy, but I never really watched it that much. Um, somebody on Jeopardy uh, said, you know, that they love Alex Trebek on their, and it was it was a nice moment. And Alex Trebek has seemed to be able to be in the public eye for decades and just always be a class act and and not somebody who's you know shoving his politics in people's faces or acting like a maniac or you know you know, gra- you know wrestling report or you know photographers to the ground because they didn't want to get the paparazzi shot or whatever. He's a, he's a, he seems like a very uh, gentlemanly fellow from, from all that at least we can observe from the outside. Um, you know who's not a gentlemanly fellow, though? Uh, Michael Avenatti. He's a, he's a scummy fellow. And uh, this was quite a moment on Jeopardy! last night. Play 22, please. Lawyers 800. This lawyer's star rose while repping Stormy Daniels, but fell after he was accused of trying to extort millions from Nike in 2019. His name, quickly forgotten, obviously, Michael Avenatti. How can they not get that? How do these people get on Jeopardy and they don't know who Michael Avenatti is? I, 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 mean, I mean, it's a little sad that, that everybody should know his name at this point, but, you know, 
we all know Charles Manson's name too, right? It doesn't make you a good person because we know your name. Uh, nobody got that one. I got to say that that was a bit of a shock. And you know who I know it shocked the most? Michael Avenatti. He has crept into the DMs on Twitter of so many conservative media friends of mine calling them losers. And I'm a little bit upset. Like, when when is he going to slip into my DMs and call me a loser? Nobody knows who you are, loser. You're the worst. You're, you know, blah, blah, blah. it's like, you're facing federal prison, Mr. Avenatti, <laughs> and disbarment. You have bigger problems than uh, creeping into the DMs, Jake Tapper style of conservative media friends of mine and threatening them and trying to, uh, uh, trying to bully them. Um, yeah, that's a Tapper move, too, by the way. He's another jerk. Uh, but, yeah, no one remembered who Michael Avenatti was. Good times. And we got a verdict in from earlier today. Uh-oh. Not, not good news for uh, Mr. Roger Stone. Republican operative Roger Stone was found guilty earlier today of all seven counts against him which included making false statements, obstruction, and witness tampering. He faces up to 50 years in federal prison. 50 years, folks. I don't think Roger's going to make it another 50 years, but that's beside the point. Uh, This was a trial that definitely had its more colorful moments. You have a 20-foot inflatable rat with Trump hair that was put outside the courthouse. There was an effort even by uh, Randy Credico, who was a talk show host that Roger Stone apparently was the witness that was being tampered with here. Look, it it all has to do with, uh, well, I'll get into the WikiLeaks stuff in a second, but uh, Roger Stone threatened and and told him not to not to be a, a stoolie not to be a, a rat a stool pigeon uh, at one point credico tried to do an impersonation in court of bernie sanders and the judge did not allow that because if you allow bernie in the courtroom what's going to happen next nobody on the jury no one's going to be able to keep a straight face they're going to be laughing they're not going to understand that right now taking the money from the millionaires and the billionaires is the most important thing we can do for future generations. Um, there you go, Bernie. I'm not in a courtroom, though, so I'm allowed to do that. I'm in the courtroom of Buck. Boom. Booyah. Based Buck. Getting it all in at one time. Uh, so here's what's going on. They're, they're crushing Roger Stone on a whole bunch of nonsense. Remember they sent like 30 armed deputies to go arrest him at five o'clock in the morning in florida oh and cnn just happened to be there remember oh cnn they, they just it had nothing to do with the fact that wait a second Mueller went right to msnb i'm sorry not Mueller. um i'm forgetting the guys i've been talking about him all day what, what uh, weissman weissman sorry weissman it's friday so you know that's gonna happen uh he goes right to msnbc but you know maybe uh maybe they just offered him more money but the people that were running the Mueller probe are effectively Democrat operatives who are all about to go work for the cable news channels. And we're to believe that CNN just happened to be there for the uh, circus arrest of Roger Stone, who is you know, standing there in his, in his uh, silk pajamas. And they sent on all these guys with guns. Why couldn't they just say, turn yourself in tomorrow? By the way, everybody knows they could have done that. Everybody knows that they could have done that. But they're like, oh, nope. Got to make it look really serious. The Mueller probe. We don't mess around. 
As Weissman's a vindictive leftist. That's why they sent on all those people. And and I feel I mean, I kind of feel badly for the, the law enforcement guys. I mean, you gotta feel a little silly with attack vest on and you know, an M4 busting down the door of a guy in his what in his seventies who's a, a, no threat to anyone. The crime of witness tampering and lying under oath, they're gonna send in the SWAT team. This is the America we live in now, folks. Now the Democrats play the game. Don't forget about it. There are some other uh, other interesting moments here in the in the Roger Stone trial. Like he's he's called him he calls himself a dirty trickster. So I guess I'm okay with that. But he told he texted Credico in November of 2017. Stone Wallet plead the fifth. He called Credico a rat and a stoolie. He said, uh, my lawyers are dying to rip you to shreds. I'm going to take that dog away from you. Stone also told Credico to be like the character from The Godfather Part 2, Frank Pantangeli, because he recanted his testimony to Congress about Michael Corleone uh, Corleone, after he had been uh, intimidated. Uh, Apparently... I'm not even going to say his name. It's not worth a little little right-wing... Uh, provocateur slash punk was uh, was there for the trial every day. That's not. I, I will not get into the specifics of who that was. Point here being, point here being that Roger Stone's facing some real. He's going to get some prison time for this. He is going to get. Um, I would say, you know, in the guidelines. He's. They're probably going to sentence him to three to five. That'll be my guess. I'm pretty good at this usually. I'd say three to five would be what he'll get um, given the nature of these crimes, but which are absolutely like de minimis. I mean, I, I think, was he kidding? Was he even serious when he's telling him to do this stuff? I don't know. It's, uh, it's tough to tell. This is all, though, because of WikiLeaks, you see, because the Mueller team was all running around with this theory straight out of CNN and MSNBC and the Democrat lunacy mill that the Trump administration was collaborating with WikiLeaks to uh, undermine Hillary Clinton in the election. See, the problem with that story all along has always been that, guess what? WikiLeaks always collaborates with journalists before it releases information. WikiLeaks collaborated with the New York Times, for example, worked with the New York Times to make sure that there were big outlets that published the information that they had. So why would that be strange at all in this case? Um, you have to go through the New York Times. You can't, you can't tell anybody else that you're about to do a document dump. Uh, that's, that's an interesting standard. I don't really know how, that would, how that, they would apply that one consistently. But keep in mind, they don't, they don't plan on applying consistent standards with any of this. They just plan on trying to trash Trump and all of his supporters. Um, the Mueller probe was a farce. And what's going on right now in Congress with this uh, House of Representatives impeachment inquiry is a farce. But now you're going to get to a very interesting question. At least I think you get to a very interesting question. Does, first of all, I mean, General Flynn should absolutely be pardoned. No, no question in my mind. General Michael Flynn should have a presidential pardon, totally clean slate, should not serve a day in jail, should not have any of his rights taken away. Clean record. All right, start with that. Should Roger Stone be pardoned? Mm. 
Producer Mark, what do you think? Should Roger Stone be pardoned? He's an old guy. Yeah. I guess so. So I, I got to tell you, I, I've met Roger a couple times. I actually bumped into him once or twice in D.C. socially, too. I kind of like him. So, I see, I tell you that not just to not because it's Friday and I'm in kind of a mood, but because that affects my judgment. You know, I, I kind of like the guy. I think he's kind of funny. You know, he's a he's a very um, a very snappy dresser, and is uh, is pretty amusing actually, and it's very it can be very charming. You know, so I kind of like the guy, and uh, we got along. I don't know what to tell you. Roger Stone and I kind of get along. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's true though, and yeah, so that's one part of it. The other part of it too is. Did he harm? Was the 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 issue that he's alleged to be witness tampering? There was no crime. He wasn't covering up any crime. I don't know why he was so reckless as to write this stuff in text messages with the Mueller team coming after him. It was dumb, but there was no there was no there there. They, there was no illegal collusion with WikiLeaks or anything else. So he didn't do anything. Nobody was harmed by anything that Robbie. You know, this one guy Credico maybe felt like Roger was being kind of mean to him, which isn't nice. But I mean, there's no there's no real damage here of any kind oh damaging the system oh the system that was hijacked in a frenzy of anti-trump mania by a bunch of democrats who couldn't couldn't stomach couldn't be adult enough to handle that hillary clinton lost the 2016 election sorry so i feel like it's not the guy shouldn't go to prison for this it's insane that's crazy and if if trump pardoned him which he has the the Democrats, oh, he can't do it. The president can pardon anybody for federal crimes. That's the that's in the it's in the Constitution. This is a thing that is there's no good faith debate over this. The president can pardon whoever the president wants to pardon for federal crimes. Okay. If the president pardons Roger Stone, liberal heads will explode all over the country. I mean, it will be like nothing else that you've seen for at least a day or two. They will lose their minds. Now, in an, under normal political circumstances, under normal political circumstances, it would be uh, perhaps inadvisable for the president to do this. Um, and that's because you could say come on you want some good faith from the other side and this is going to you know ratchet tensions up and there's a there's essentially that there's a trade off there's a downside so maybe you don't want to do this but my friends i'm here to tell you that these are not normal times <laughs> i'm here to tell you that the democrats cannot hate trump any more than they do it is not possible. There's no other level. They're already, the dial is already at 11. They're already there. And so in that context, in that environment, isn't there a case to be made that triggering the libs, the mass triggering of libs that will occur from pardoning Roger Stone? Worth it. I think, I think so. I think, you know, it just... If for nothing, people, oh, Bucker's abusing the power. Of like, this is an old man. He didn't even do anything. Give me a break. It's ridiculous. All right, fine. Serious buck face on for a second. Put your put your serious buck face on. Uh, you, you'd have to say then, all right, maybe instead of a, a pardon, you would commute his sentence. 
fine. So the guy doesn't go to prison, but he still has felonies on his record. But, you know, I've, I feel like he wouldn't be that upset with felonies in, in, in his mind protecting the president. He's got a felony record as long as he doesn't. I don't think he wants to go to prison. Uh, maybe a commutation is, is, the, is the more responsible move for the president. But I kind of want to pardon. <laughs> I kind of think it just it'd be great. So, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely couldn't be any more serious about pardoning General Flynn. That should happen. It, it should be a, a done deal. And, and there's no question in my mind. And the man should not spend a single moment in a cell. Um, and he should actually have the he should actually have an apology from the federal government and an apology on behalf of the American people who empower the federal government to put people in prison. Uh, we should say sorry, General Flynn. Um I can't say we should say sorry to Roger Stone for these charges because there we do have a system and he shouldn't have done the dumb things he did within the system. I get it. But I don't know, man. I think I think Roger Stone is a very original fellow and uh, commuting his sentence, whatever it may be. It sounds like it's a very, uh, very fair minded approach to all this. It's also worth noting. And, and now I'm getting back into a serious mode for a second here. Is uh, McCabe? FBI director, is he going to go to prison for lying under oath? Because he did more than once, according to the FBI's own inspector general. Or or, are they just going to delay and delay and delay that until no one really remembers? And then they'll just kind of make it go away. That's not justice. If it's illegal, if it's illegal for Roger Stone to lie under oath, it's illegal for Andy McCabe to lie under oath. Doesn't matter that he's a pro-Hillary Democrat who did his part for the deep state. So... You also want to wonder what about uh, Clapper and Brennan lying to Congress? Do, do, do any of that, any of that, register with anyone? Anyone care about any of that? Hmm? What about the people who swore affidavits or even went, uh, were willing to go to Congress uh, to lie about Justice Kavanaugh, uh, filing a false report at a minimum? In some cases, it could be a federal issue if they swore a federal affidavit and gave it to the federal government. I'm sure there's a charge that would apply. Um, or swore an affidavit rather and gave it to the federal government. Um, you know, lying to the federal government in official proceeding is a crime. Uh, any of them getting prosecuted? Any of the people that were just making up crazy stories to try to destroy Kavanaugh? Any of them being prosecuted? No? No? Well, that's, that's, what a surprise. Huh? So lying, if you're in Trump's world, will get you in a lot of trouble. Um, lying, if you're a Democrat, or if you're trying to take down somebody who's in Trump's world, then all of a sudden it's fine. My friends, the two-tiered system of justice that we are becoming far too accustomed to in this country is one of the biggest threats to the long-term health of this nation. People will rightly stop believing that the most intrusive and powerful organs of the federal government are anything other than partisan cudgels that one side, the Democrats, use against all the rest of us. And things get very scary if that really becomes the perception. And it's becoming more and more the perception every day. You know what would be a great, a great match? A great wrestling match, perhaps. Schiff versus Jim Jordan. I think we all know who would win that one. But a verbal wrestling match ensued in Congress that uh, producer Mark pulled for us for, our, for your Friday listening enjoyment. Hit it. Mr. Speaker, I have a point of order. The gentleman's not recognized. The gentleman's not recognized. I have a point of order, though. The gentleman's not recognized. I do want to respond. I allowed the I ranking member to. The gentleman is not recognized. Mr. Chairman, there are four transcripts that have not been released. The gentleman is not recognized. Holy ranking cow. member. Ooh, getting a little spicy there. The gentleman is not recognized. 
By the way, we talk about how Spicy got voted off Dancing with the Stars. So sad. Spicy's done. The, spi- the pro-spicy movement wasn't enough to keep him and his terrible dancing on TV, which should make everybody a little sad on the inside. I know producer Mark was very sad. He, he, was, a, he was a save spicy t-shirt wearing kind of guy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I did find out from somebody who does watch, apparently the judges were furious that he kept getting voted in because he was so bad at That's dancing. Amazing. That's amazing. It's fantastic. By the way, we got some uh, advice on how to handle impeachment from somebody who understands who understands real well how to how to deal with it and how to you know I mean he just he got all a little little too close with a you know with an intern and they just made this whole thing I mean it was a right wing vast right wing conspiracy and oh man I don't know what we're gonna do here he is play twenty what would your message to President Trump be about and when he says, well, I can't work with these people, they're impeaching me. My message would be, look, you got hired to do a job. There's, there's, you don't get the days back you blow off. Every day is an opportunity to make something good happen. And I would say I've got lawyers and staff people handling this impeachment inquiry, and they should just have at it. Meanwhile, I'm going to work for the American people. That's what I would do. Yeah, it's right. I would just be like, I mean, it's not nothing. I mean, if you can lie under oath when you're president, I mean, you can certainly make a phone call to the president of Ukraine. By the way, you know what they got on Ukraine? A lot of a lot of lovely Ukrainian ladies. That's what I'm told. That's what Bill Clinton's heard through the grapevine. He's heard the stories. People have told him. Ukraine equals lovely ladies. The end. Our team, just a little bit more. I know it's like late on a Friday and... I've been talking about this stuff a lot, and I really want to just give you my my movie review, although I don't think I have any new movies to talk about right now, so I'm going to have to watch one over the weekend. Uh, but there was a an interesting exchange here between Adam Schiff and Elise uh, Stefanik, and this is how it went. Please play it, my good man. To you, Mr. Stefanik. Thank you, Mr. Nunez. Ambassador Yovanovitch, thank you for being here today. The gentlewoman will suspend. What is the interruption for this time? It is our time. The gentlewoman will suspend. You're not recognized. Mr. Nunez, you are minority counsel. I just recognize. Under the House Resolution 660, you are not allowed to yield time except to minority counsel. The ranking member yielded time to another member of Congress. That is not accurate. You're gagging the. That is accurate. Ambassador Yovanovitch, I want to thank you for being here today. Gentlewoman will suspend. We're not recognized. This uh, is the fifth time you have interrupted members of woman, Congress, newly elected members of Congress. A woman will suspend. Uh, Mr. Chair, we, we control the time. Uh, it's been customary of this committee that whoever controls the time uh, can yield to whoever they wish. If we have members of Congress that have a few questions, it seems appropriate that we be able to let Ms. Stefanik uh, ask her questions. Mr. Nunez, you or Minority Council recognized? Ooh, iron iron fist Adam Schiff going on here. Not not going to allow anything to happen that is not within the Democrat the uh, Democrat setup rules here. Um, why is this Stefan? I mean, there's, it's clear that he wasn't going to let that happen. Now it's customary within the Congress. There's a sp- they've looked at these specific or they've created these specific rules for these these uh, this process right now. Um, but it is customary in the Congress in general, uh, in the House of Representatives, for somebody to be able to yield time to another member if they if they choose to. So what Schiff is saying is, no, that customary rule no longer applies because the Democrats want different rules now for this. Oh, OK. Just just so everyone's clear on that. But 
Uh, Stefanik also got a bit of attention earlier in the week because a fellow, and I'll name him, it's probably the you know most attention he'll get on radio all week, a fellow named Matthew Dowd called out Stefanik and said that she's a good example of how just because you're a woman or a millennial doesn't mean that you're the kind of leadership this country needs or something like that. It was like a really nasty and and very you know, anti, uh, well, I dare say, an anti-feminist thing for him to say. Um, Dowd is a moron. Uh, I've interacted with him on on Twitter a few times. He actually has blocked me, and I'm a very, I'm a very polite fellow, even on Twitter for the most part. Um, he has blocked me. He says very stupid things. He's the senior political analyst at ABC News, which tells you a lot about ABC News. I guess they can't find smart people to be senior political analysts there. They can only find people who, I think, uh, leave their wives to cheat on the campaign. I think he was working on a campaign and had an affair with the wife of the guy he was consulting. It was like some complete just disaster. And I'm not somebody because it was professional slash personal disaster. It's just like the guy's a that guy's a mess. Um, but ABC News, chief political course. The guy's never said anything intelligent about politics in the eight years I've been doing this. Never said anything that was. But he worked for Bush like 15 years ago. Now he's an independent, not even a Republican anymore. But he always gets to comment about the Republican point of view or the Trump point of view. Uh, he, he is one of the worst. I mean, if you're asking me who are the worst political analysts on TV, uh, Matthew Dowd, definitely top five. Anna Navarro, definitely top five. I mean, the people that are just um, just could not be much dumber, uh, less knowledgeable about anything worthwhile, and also are nasty and uh, not good people. So I should pro- probably come up with a list of the five worst political analysts. I, 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 I could definitely, I could rattle off a bunch, but I want to give you the very, those two are definitely in the top five worst. They're in the, the top five absolute worst. Um. And, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there are a few others that, that would come to mind very, very quickly. But nonetheless, that was a, an exchange that shows you, one, I think they don't want to allow a woman to ask any questions of, or they want to prevent Stefanik from asking any questions of Yovanovitch because Yovanovitch's whole thing is just like, oh, it's so sad. And it's like, I got fired. And, you know, it's very much, a, there's, there's an, emotional, an emotional component of all this. Um, oh, one, one good point I want to make here. This comes from, uh, I, I've got, got a few things here. Nunes has said, not sure why Yovanovitch is even here today. This is the House Intelligence Committee, not the Human Resources Subcommittee for Employment Disputes. She didn't witness any of the events that are under discussion today. Yeah. Good point. Why is Yovanovitch even, why, why do we even hear from this person? Why do we care? Why should we care? They don't have any good answers to that. Um, and then also Nunes, according to my friend Sean Davis here, Nunes yielded time to Stefanik and Schiff told her she's just not allowed to speak. He's done that repeatedly to her today. Stefanik noted this was the fifth or sixth time Schiff told Republicans they weren't allowed to ask questions. And even Eli Lake, who is not a pro-Trumper, uh, said that Schiff seems threatened by Stefanik. Um and uh, that's that's where we are. Um, there's a very clear optic they're trying to run here of, you know, Trump is bad and Trump is mean to women and he was mean to Yovanovitch and he's just such a mean guy. This whole thing today is a total, a total sham, a total waste of uh, of everybody's time. And uh, I think you should keep in mind that down the line, 
this is going to uh, fall into the hands of Mitch McConnell. And Mitch McConnell is going to be the one who is left to to deal with this in the Senate. And Chuck Schumer is already uh, is already trying to lay the groundwork for what that's going to be like and trying to make sure that there's not any Republican slapdown of what's been going on here in the in the Congress so far, which is just a, the whole thing is it really is an abomination. It really is an abomination. Um, oh, I want to get to uh, Kevin McCarthy actually real quick here. Um, warning, you know, because you hear a lot of talk about the threat to our democracy and how Democrats are trying to you know, save our democracy and all this other nonsense. Here's Kevin McCarthy on uh, Alexander Hamilton and, and the reality of what's really going on here. Play uh, eight, please. You know, yesterday, um, Congressman John Radcliffe left a question to these two witnesses who were, have never met the president, were not on the phone call has not talked to the chief of staff and asked them, what do you see impeachable? Is there one impeachable item in there? They could not answer one. Remember what we're discussing here. We're talking about removing a duly elected president. You take that so lightly, we have the transcripts. You know, Alexander Hamilton warned of this, that this day may come, that a person may have the majority within sight of Congress to use impeachment for their own personal political gains. And that's where we are. They keep talking about how the president is using his power for personal gain uh, in the context of Ukraine, but just in general. Um, what about the fact of what they're doing against this president? Using impeachment as just a, a very obvious political weapon in, a, in an election year, no less. This is like I've been saying, the precedent here is very, very bad. Uh, one more thing. Uh, Aaron Mate, I don't know who this gentleman is, got a blue check. He, he pointed out the following about the Roger Stone verdict. Roger Stone was found guilty on all ch- on, on charges stemming from his false claim of a WikiLeaks back channel. In reality, he had none. Let that sink in. The top proponents of Trump Russia WikiLeaks collusion are now pretending that this verdict doesn't undermine their conspiracy theory. He didn't have any WikiLeaks back channel. The Russia collusion thing was was a total total nonsense, total fantasy. But because he lied about something or because he was uh, acting stupidly with regard to another witness, they're going to throw him in prison for years and years. It's just it's just absurd. The whole thing, my friends, we are living in like a theater of the absurd now run by the Democrats. Now, I do not watch a lot of professional sports, as you all know, because I always say that. I just don't have time. i got to read about stuff and learn about things to talk about here on the Buck Sexton Show. Um, and that, that, doesn't leave, uh, that doesn't leave me a lot of time to do the sports stuff. Um, plus, I'm trying to get to the gym and you know, be a little healthier these days. Probably should start you know, eating stuff other than cheese, red meat, and uh, french fries. You know, that, you know, ooh, you know, I should probably vary my diet a little more. Uh, bacon. Miles Garrett, though, came up on my radar last night as I was preparing for the show today. And uh, producer Mark, did you see this, by the way? You see what happened here? So you got the the yeah, Steelers playing the Browns. And the Browns, from what I understand, are a terrible team, right? They're, oh, they're actually pretty good this year. They're oh, really? uh, fighting for a playoff spot. They have been perennially terrible. Oh, okay. They're oh, turning okay. it around, though. See, I'm, I was not really up on things. And at the end of the game, and who won the game, by the way? The Browns. Okay, the Browns won. So at the end of the game... And there's the, the, the quarterback of the Browns, uh, I'm sorry, the quarterback of the Steelers, Mason Rudolph, 
got into like a little scuffle with this guy, Miles um, Garrett, who's a D-end and a very yes. large fellow, yes, right? a very good one, too. And a very good one. Yes. Okay. So he's like- First round pick a few years ago, Yeah. Oh, but he's like almost a 300-pounder, right, pretty yeah, much? Yeah, probably. He's probably. Between like 250 and... Oh, 250? 250 okay, to 300. Not. They're a little faster now. Yeah, so yeah. he's he's, he's, a, he's a, a, a large fellow, and he pulls the helmet off of the quarterback, and then there's a little more of a scuff. I watched the video a bunch of times. It was all over Twitter last... I was looking yes. to do political stuff, and this was like taking over my feed for a while. Uh, and he swings, and he, he cracks him pretty hard over... The quarterback pretty hard over the head with the helmet, right? Yes, direct hit. What do you, yeah, I mean, what what do you think? Uh, some people were saying, I was seeing people last night who were saying this guy should go to, he should go to jail for yeah. this, which, which, I mean, I, you know, a I little mean, much. If he, if he really injured the guy, I'd say, yeah, yeah. but I mean, I think the, I think the quarterback was, was okay. I don't think he had any real damage from it, but what is, what do you think is the, uh, is the proper punishment here? I'm just curious. I mean, he, it already came down from the NFL. He's suspended indefinitely. So at least the rest of the season in playoffs. Then he has to meet with the commissioner to find out if there's going to be any more suspension after that. Oh. So it's so already he's been out handed for the down. Season. He's out for the season. He's gone immediately. So this was within hours of this happening. This came down about an hour or two ago. Oh, okay. So that's, I mean, that seems like the move here. Yes. That seems like the right move on yeah. this one. And I've never, I think there was somebody else who did something years ago. I saw a clip of someone doing something somewhat similar. Pulling off a helmet and swinging at somebody, but didn't didn't hit him quite as yeah. didn't clock him quite as. I mean, hard that's one game. of the most heinous things I've ever seen on a football field. It's what just is, crazy. What is the wor- What is the single worst thing you've ever seen in professional sports in terms of somebody like breaking the rules and messing somebody up? I, I mean, there's what, two. There's the malice at the palace, the Pistons that? versus the. Uh, oh, was that when the guy it was the, one, the, the Pistons versus the Pacers? When yeah, they got the people in the stands. Ron Artest. Uh, wait, I remember it was. Um, it was 03. Meta, Meta World Peace. Yes, Ron Artest. Yeah, I also just known as Meta, Meta World Peace. <laughs> yes, Meta World Peace and a couple other players went into the crowd, fought fans. That was terrible. And then also in hockey, Todd Bertuzzi, this player, took his stick and cracked it over the head of another player, who and it basically paralyzed him. Oh my god! Yeah, that those are the two of the worst. And then, now this one's up there. Now there's not an injury that comes with it. Thank goodness Mason Rudolph seems to be okay, but those helmets are heavy. You could have killed him easily. Yeah, I mean, there's just no way, um, no way that that can be left uh, left yeah. unpunished like that. I was I was thinking. I don't know if you've seen this one because I used to watch a fair amount of basketball growing up. Remember uh, Kermit Washington? If you've ever seen this, there was a brawl. I, I don't even remember who who the teams were, um, but he like ran in the center of. The court, and he punched Rudy Tomjanovich in the face, and like shattered hmm. his face, like wow. broke his jaw. It was nearly killed him, almost killed him with one punch to the face, and the, and Tomjanovich was like never the same afterwards. Yeah. So like sometimes these guys in sport, like they do, they really they can really mess. I didn't know I about mean, the hockey one they for really- years in hockey. This was normal fighting. Now it's pretty much there's not that much fighting anymore. See, that's a little sad for me though, just because even though I I prefer that people not be you know hurting each other, um, but that was one of my main points about why hockey is terrible was that if it was any good, people wouldn't have to fight to make it interesting. But now you're telling me that one of my main lines of attack against hockey is no longer particularly valid. Correct. That makes me a little sad on the inside. 
you know? Yeah. yeah. So, but, so now it's really now about it's the, the skating and the strategy and the stick work yeah. or whatever. And how know? fast they can skate. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not about how fast it. they move on two little slivers of metal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a different thing than, than when I was used to. So, all right. Maybe I should, we, we are, I keep saying that producer Mark and I are going to go to a hockey game at some point. I think we will have to do that. We'll do like a little, you know, little social media. I'll be like, eh, I've heard it's cold though. Uh, well, I mean, what did you expect it to be in an ice rink? Buck? I don't know, but I just want to make sure that I'm properly bundled up. I mean, I wouldn't wear a winter coat, but like a little hoodie wouldn't be All right. a bad oh, idea. We'll, 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 we'll have to make this happen. But yeah, so the sports thing last night, that was the biggest, the big story that I saw, this guy, Miles Garrett. Um, there was also, I don't know if you caught this, there was an ESPN reporter who without yes. without any evidence, an ESPN reporter, like the, the height of sports reporting, was like, oh, this guy probably said something racist, right? It's, <laughs> I don't think she explicitly said racist, but she alluded to it, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty She bad. deleted it immediately. That was pretty Even she bad. knows how dumb that was, it's yeah. pretty bad. This guy attacked somebody in a way that's horrible and egregious. So like, well, like maybe maybe the, maybe the in this case the uh, the white quarterback said something racist, so he kind of deserved it. That was the implication of what, what went on here. So Obviously. I mean, Miles, I mean, Mason Rudolph definitely – Insinuated it, like instigated it. Excuse me. He instigated, he instigated the, fight. the fight, but he did not deserve to get hit with a helmet. Nothing excuses getting hit with the helmet. Right? Because I see these guys like sometimes they they push and shove a little bit, and there's a little you know there's yeah there's, that's like, normal. Sort of, and they like they like bang their helmets against each other, and there'll be flags thrown, but that's kind of like football. I mean that that's a it's a penalty, yes. but it's not. This was like. You know, what if someone like, you know, pulls out a mallet and like hammers somebody in the face? Basically. That's not football anymore. And then the yeah. center that was defending the quarterback kicked Miles Garrett in the head. He got three games. But uh, he's suspended now. I mean, I think I think you're allowed to take, you know, I, I think shoving or throwing the guy off him is but you know, if you kicked him in the head on the ground, that's you know, this stuff gets dangerous. These guys are very large and strong. Yes. Except for a little quarterback. I don't know. He doesn't little like backup him. quarterback too. A little backup quarterback? Yeah. Yeah, so this is what happened last night, folks. This is what was getting all the. Well, I, you know, it's everyone was trying to get ready the night before. We have this big. Uh, I didn't know the Roger Stoneberg was going to come down today. Um, oh wow, look at this! I see on Drudge Report, Alex Jones, Trump must pardon Roger Stone. Pardon him, pardon him, David. Illuminati, Bilderberg is crazy. What's going on? Do you know Alex Jones, by the way? Yes, I've, okay. I've seen videos. Of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, enough is enough. Alex, Alex Jones wants wants a pardon. Got to get pardoned. Um, it's a little upsetting because I pretty much said that last hour. <laughs> Buck and Alex Jones agree. Well, it's not this someone not you want to agree with. This is not a good headline. It's like, I don't like that kid. He's got the super hair. He thinks he's all fancy and stuff. CIA deep state. He's a deep state player right there, I can tell. Maybe it'll be a good thing if he comes after you. He has before. Get some publicity. Like, it, doesn't, it, didn't, it didn't last very long or whatever. He said I had hair like the guy from Bob's Big Boy. I was like, that's so. I don't even know what that is, but that sounds mean. What's I don't, I don't know what that is. I th- it's like a like a food... You know, like you go, you get the burger. You know, it's yeah, like, it's okay. like bad. I'm picturing the uh, the big donut guy from The Simpsons with that little soup of hair. Wow, I look like the big donut. I'm not guy? saying you do. That's Whoa. what I that's what I pictured immediately. I mean, you know, I know I haven't been going to the gym as much lately, but like, settle down. I know? meant the hair. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I got to check that out. I don't know who this is, but I should probably watch more more Simpsons too. But yep, yeah, Alex Jones and Buck apparently agree. Oh no, I said commute the sentence. Because Buck's not going all the way. He's not a true patriot. He's not really, not really committed to the cause. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pro Roger Stone. I, this is amazing. The guy has a huge tattoo of Richard Nixon on his back. I mean, who would have thought that that's that's a thing you would do? I mean, that guy literally went through wow. physical pain to memorialize 
an MP or not, sorry, a resigned people keep saying a resigned president mm. on his skin. That's quite a move. I would just say putting any president on your skin. How obsessed do you have to be? That's true. The show ain't over yet, folks. Keeping it real. It's time for roll call. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. If you want to send in the stuff to us, uh, please do it that way. That's a good way, good way to make the magic happen. And um, also, uh, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton if you want to do it on Facebook. Pretty self-explanatory there. David. All right. It's Buck. Shields high. Um, Buck, it has been my routine since you started America Now to stay up late and listen to you. Now I listen to you. Uh, now I listen to Rush in the afternoon. I listen to the podcast of you during the day. Hopefully not for a while, but when Rush retires, you'd be a fantastic replacement. Shields high. Keep it up, David. Well, David, thank you so much. That is very kind. And uh, Rush is the Rush is the the godfather of all talk radio. So that's as much of a compliment as you can give anybody. Uh, here we go. My preferred name is Wyoming. But wait, when Tulsi Gabbard neglects to deny Hillary's accusation of being a Russian asset, that makes her guilty. Yet when Brett Kavanaugh vehemently denies the outrageous accusations leveled at him, his denial, along with him doing so at a slightly elevated volume, was all the proof the psycho left needed to claim his guilt. Seemingly intelligent people were actually heard to say he just sounded guilty. Did you hear him, his tone? Well, I heard some pretty high volume denials coming out of Shrillery's testimony. But let me get back on track. Love the show, the histories, and obviously the impressions. Sorry, Beto bit the dust. If only for the impressions, of course. But you know who will be back, won't you? Hillary! Oh, I took your advice of how we need to stop cultural appropriation and uh, ethnic insensitivity. And, um, all right, shield tie. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for writing in. John, oh, no, we just did that one. Christy, good morning. Nope, that was like a that's like a sales thing. That's not good. Craig, Buck, I'm a longtime conservative who recently started listening to your podcast on Spotify. My wonderful wife immigrated from Ukraine 20 years ago. I'm very fond of Ukraine as my wife's motherland, Rodina, though I believe I'm realistic about its strengths and weaknesses. Almost no Americans, whether acquaintances, politicians, or commentators, seem to understand Ukraine. Judging by last night's podcast, you seem to really get it. Thanks for your clear, insightful analysis. Shields high. Boom! The Buckster knows things. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, man. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's nice. It's nice, Craig, when somebody somebody actually gives a little shout out for. You know, doing the the backstory and the research to learn about a place that everyone's talking about that almost all of the people you hear talking about Ukraine right now have no, no none of this context or or understanding of the East versus the West and the Russian versus Ukrainian uh, linguistic differences within the country and what that means culturally and what that means politically. No, they they don't. They're just. Rah, 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 rah. I don't like the bad people in the deep state, and I know that, and I don't like you know. 
the swamp rats and the Democrats and the, you know, there's a lot of this running around these days. But some, some of us know some. Some of us actually like to learn things and know things. Um, let's see what we got here. Uh, James. Hey, Buck. Government control of pharmaceutical prices? Are you celebrating 97 years of fascism? A fabulous, what? A fabulous question to ask about every government program or department is, is it constitutional? I'm right beside you laughing at the burn and Focahontas thinking taxing billionaires is a good idea. But from slightly higher up the knowledge ladder, I know that 90% of the country does not have federal income and hence does not owe federal income taxes. Huh? Um, I suspect hubris has kept you in place of knowing without doing the research. Um, oh, okay. This is another like no one. O- oh, okay. This is everybody. <laughs> this, this guy keeps sneaking it under the radar. I'm like, who's this that says that we none of us owe taxes? Oh, man. This is a good one. Yep. Don't, please, folks. Important safety tip. Don't listen to someone who tells you that if you make money and the federal government says you owe the money, you don't have to pay them. It's not a good idea. Uh, it's not, not a good idea at all. Let's see here. Um, next up on this one. Hold up a second. Adam! Buck, I have heard the phrase quid pro quo used a lot lately, but I prefer the English version. A deal. They are saying the guy who wrote The Art of the Deal tried to make a deal with someone. That's not news. Adam. Adam! Very clever, sir. Appreciate it. Hunter writes, Buck, the buckshot of truth. You're doing great work, man. Mark, you too, buddy. All right, a little high five for producer Mark. Don't, don't swell his head up, guys, but he's doing a good job. In a time of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. Thanks for speaking truth in a media world. Keep the revolution going. P.S. Your Beto voice sounds like Napoleon Dynamite. I haven't even seen that movie, but like, I totally, I totally think I understand what you're talking about. Beto's like amazing and he should totally like just run for president as a third party candidate Andrew hey Buck you're the man you love action movies so I'm just wondering if you have seen Escape Plan with Arnold and Stallone it's a great movie for what it is it also has Vincent D'Onofrio 50 Cent and Jim Caviezel dialogue is a bit cheesy but the action is great By the way, never apologize for loving soccer. The English Premier League is a fantastic way to spend a Sunday morning. Shields high. Andy, thank you so much for writing in, my friend. I do appreciate it. Um, Let's see here. David writes, Buck, I've enjoyed watching your hits on Tucker Carlson and other Fox News shows for a while now. More recently, I've been listening regularly to your podcast. I like your perspective and insight on current events. Plus, I appreciate your sense of humor. Sounds like the humor I do if I had a radio show. Keep up the good work. Man, David, you have excellent taste, sir. Thank you so much for uh, for writing in. And now let's switch to Facebook. All right, so we're we're roll calling. We're rolling with the roll call. And now let's see what we have here. Um, Patrick uh, writes. Um, Oh, they're asking me on a show. That's a different thing. Okay, <laughs> that's that's a request for me to do a show. Uh, Adam writes, Buck, if you have the unlimited plan through Verizon, you can get a year free. I can watch Fox News on the Roku channel. It's gotten better over the years. Shields high. Yeah, i got to find a way to be able to watch cable news without actually being a cable subscriber. But they also do this thing when you're a cable subscriber where when you try to unsubscribe, 
they always threaten you with some big cancellation thing because you have to inherently buy this like contract for cable for two or three years. <sighs> so, you know, there's that. Are you a, are you a cord cutter producer, Mark? Do you have you're you're, you're I do not have cable. Gen Z. I'm, you're a millennial? I'm a millennial. No, we've already talked about this. Yes. Yeah. I, I am a cord cutter. You are? Yeah. Yeah. I have many ways to watch things. Though. I think my I think my Verizon files cost almost I think it costs two hundred dollars a month or something. Oh yeah, that's crazy. ridiculous. It's crazy. Especially for one person. It's crazy. Oh. Yeah, I got I got I gotta cut the I gotta cut the cord. I gotta do it. All right. Reminder reminder to self. Uh let's see here. TJ. Whoop. Coming up. Buck, you should go read the reviews for Jack Ryan season two. Consumers have definitely taken note that they inserted a bunch of social justice warrior BS into the new season compared to season one. Also, I couldn't help but notice that many of the five star ratings for season two were written before it was released in anticipation of the new season. Part of me hopes Amazon takes note of the terrible performance of this season and decides to make corrective actions for the next season. Would you consult if they asked you for a new season? Yeah, of course I'd consult. That show would be amazing if I consulted on it. So it wouldn't be any garbage. It wouldn't be any of this nonsense. Oh, social justice warriors. No. Damn it. They need the Buck Sexton to tell them how to make the things happen on the TV screen. That's that's the way to do it. That's the way to get it done. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, also, I just think that there's not nearly enough action. The characters aren't. It's, it's a bad. Season two is bad. It's just bad. Bad writing, bad storyline, bad plot, bad, bad everything. Uh, which is a shame because I actually, you know, I know he's a, a big lib because they're all libs basically. But uh, what's his name? The guy, Jim from The Office. He's actually, um, what's it? John Krasinski? Yeah, Krasinski. He's actually good. He's a good actor. I mean, I give the guy credit, you know. Um, he, he, did a, he did a good job. Uh, he's, he's, he was solid in 13 hours. So I give credit where it's due, as you know. But the show is just crap. It's just garbage. It's just bad. Um, and I, I'm not even going to make it all the way through. You know what else was really bad that still upsets me? I tried to watch a little more the other day is the uh, the Knights Templar show uh, that was on History Channel for a while. How do you make the Knights Templar like cheesy and boring? They managed to do it. They managed to do it. It was really, really bad. So that that was bothersome to me. Uh, let's see what we got here now. Kristen. Not sure what music your listener is referring to, but I listen to the podcast. But you do have some type of intro music that talks over you from time to time. Not sure, Kristen. I don't know. Um, let's just let's just blame producer Mark for that. I don't know what to say beyond that. It's producer Mark's fault. Let's, let's throw him under the. The thing is, though, he's very resilient. So when we throw him under the bus, he gets right back up afterwards. I do, and I just yell at you for throwing exactly. him under the bus. He's, he's fine. He's fine. Don't worry. Don't worry about him. He's uh, he's got he's got a thick skin. Hey, uh, this is from Thomas. I'm a fan. I listen to you on radio in Catskills of New York. Question. Well, thank you, Thomas. Is it possible for Facebook to put subliminal messages on ads or articles, stuff they do to alter our behavior? They did it in the 70s with TV commercials, and I just got this thought about subliminal projection stuff. I'm not nuts, just curious. Good subject to support, uh, to report on. Well, Thomas, thank you for listening to the show up in the Catskills. I... Huh. Um, I don't think that face. I mean, look, I think Facebook is engaged in at a, at a macro level, right at that 30,000 foot level. Facebook is engaged in a campaign of shifting our understanding of a lot of things and directing conversation in ways that we are barely even able to be aware of. So I, I think that there is a reality to all of that. I think that that is uh, that is a thing that we have to remember. Um, 
but I don't know about the subliminal messaging stuff. I'd have to look into that. Or maybe I do. Can neither confirm nor deny, you know, CIA stuff. Robert, Brother Buck. Never mind. Whistleblower standards were not changed according to my fact check. Thank you. All right. Um, all right, Robert. Well, thank you for clarifying that. I don't really know what's going on, but... Uh, Jason. Hey, Buck. One of my biggest frustrations with the Jack Ryan season two was they completely lost the spirit of Ryan. Ryan has always been a man who will do what he believes is right no matter what, and they show this stubbornness of Ryan in this uh, season. The problem, he's turned into a low-rent action hero. Jack has never been one to run away from a fight, but nor is he to go off playing Rambo. It makes me wonder if the writers read any of the Jack Ryan books. Jason, I agree. It's like they took... Um, a little bit a little bit like the Michael Mann remake of Miami Vice to do a contemporary Miami Vice that had almost nothing. I mean, yeah, you had a, uh, a white guy uh, who's a cop and a black guy who's a cop who are partners in Miami doing drug stuff. That was there was no like similarity between the characters, the storyline or anything else. Miami Vice, the show and Miami Vice, the movie. And this Jack Ryan uh, series if you're somebody who's read the books, I've read a few of them. I haven't read that many of them. I think two or, I've only really read two or three of the Jack Ryan books, I think. Um, my favorite was actually Dead of Honor. I love that book. Which if you read it too, given that it came out in the 90s before September 11th, it's a little a little bit haunting what ends up happening at the end of that book. Um, but yeah, no, the, the Jack Ryan thing's terrible. I mean, it's really just, like I said, somebody with connections out there should say, hey, Hey, Amazon, have Buck Sexton consult on your next project for uh, Jack Ryan stuff, and then it will be amazing, and everybody will want to watch it. John, compare the fate of Aunt Becky and her kid with that of Dreamer's parents. Aunt Becky obviously broke the law, which benefited her child. Not only Aunt Becky paid the price, but her kid was thrown out of USC. If we treated them the same way as the Dreamer families, then Aunt Becky would get a slap on the wrist, and her kid would not only get to stay at USC, but would also get a scholarship. Avengers Endgame is entertaining. Uh-oh. The Mighty Ducks is not. I'll throw a bone to producer Mark. My wife's favorite movie is The Cutting Edge. Leave Commie Bear at the Blaze. Use Ruski Fat Cat instead. Oh, and Die Hard is absolutely a Christmas movie. Would you, you like to respond favor. to our friend John yeah. about The Mighty Ducks? Yeah, please block John from ever messaging us again. <laughs> Producer Mark That's, does have all the social media access, I so I, you got to—you can't make him too mad, or else all that of is, a sudden you're you're out of the out arguably of the, the worst take I've ever heard about a movie. I've never seen it, so I, I would uh, love—I would love take. to take his part just to agitate you, but yeah. I can't—I haven't seen it, so it's magical. Magical you know what is movies. a good movie with Emilio Estevez, and I think it's the only one. I think there's one good movie with Emilio Estevez. There's and three it's, of them. Well, okay, uh, that I've seen. I mean, sure. that I've seen. Young Guns. Okay. You ever seen it? I think so. The Western? Long time ago. Lou Di- it's actually probably Lou Diamond Phillips' finest work as well. Hmm. Emilio Estevez is really good in it. Charlie Sheen. Who knew where that guy was heading? Uh, really, really <laughs> you, good. You didn't well. like Two and a Half Men? Um, I was thinking post Two and a Half Men. Okay. When he really has had some Went rough, really crazy? Yeah. rough times. Yeah. Um, but he, he was, a, he was you know, he had quite a career for a while. He did? I remember seeing, I saw Hot Shots, Hot, Hot Shots Part Dieu. In the theater. And Major League. That's a great movie, too. Oh, Major League One is a fantastic yes. movie. Major League Two is okay. Major League One, mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Major, well, it's a little bit like Caddyshack. Caddyshack One, I mean, some people some people have been hating on Caddyshack recently. I've talked. Caddyshack One is a great movie. Caddyshack Two is a really bad movie. Although you do have the gopher in both. 
And so when I was a kid, it was just worth it to watch the little fat gopher do his gopher dance. Sure. I, you know, you used to be able to, there was like, they made toys of it. I kind of want to get the fat gopher for in here for the Freedom Hut. I just put like it on your desk? Well yeah, just put the fat gopher on the desk. We should start getting some, uh, some you know, props. Yeah. Fat gophers, fat cats. We talked about sure. that with the Russian thing. That was my favorite story of the week, by the way. Douglas, book, where is the accusation of bribery, where there is, rather, an accusation of bribery or extortion, isn't the main witness against the accused the aggrieved party, i.e. the person bribed or extorted? So shouldn't the Democrats' main witness against Trump be the Ukrainians? Of course, except, of course, they won't think they were being bribed or, or they don't think they were being bribed or extorted. Yes, this is an important point, Douglas, that people have been bringing up where the Ukrainians um, uh, don't think that they were being pressured, that at least Zelensky has said this and others have said this. So how could they be pressured if they weren't aware they're being pressured? Now, Democrats are going to say they're just lying because Trump's the president. They don't want to upset him. But you raise a good point. I agree with you. Folks, this weekend, you're going to have some time to chill out, to catch up on Buck Sexton shows that you missed, and also to talk to other human beings who love America and freedom, which means it's a great time to tell them, hey, go on iTunes and download the Buck Sexton show. It's the best radio show ever. Have a great weekend, everybody. Shields high.